Let's go ahead and just pray one, one more time. God, we thank you so much that we're here, that we made it to church, God. Uh, we just pray for those who are watching online, God. We just pray for them as well, Lord. We just pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would be with us this morning, that you would uh, speak through me. I don't want any of Justin's words. Uh, I want your words, Jesus. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that we would not only listen to these words, listen to your truth, but we would also apply it as well. We thank you in your name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. And the last few months, I've been asked this question quite a few times. And the question is, what is your favorite thing about fall? Okay, that's a very hard question for me because fall is my favorite season. Obviously, I like the, 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 the leaves turning colors. And obviously, I like, unlike Pastor Dave, I love pumpkin spice latte. Actually, I love anything pumpkin spice in my coffee, just so you know. Um, but I'm all about that. But I think if I had to only have one, it would be football. I love football. Now, yeah, we got some, some yeah, good, good. Now, there's, this is a thing. I think it's a house divided right now because you're going to have people, some of us in here are going to be like, oh, great, he's talking about football. I hate football. I hate sports. And then you have other people who are like, bring it on. Let's, let's the whole service talk about football. Edge of your seat, let's go. Either way, wherever you land, just hear me out. So when I was studying for today's uh, sermon, I was watching a football game, of course. And um, not like studying, I'm going to rephrase that. I was in the process of outlining stuff, and then I watched a football game. Okay, so. Um, but one of my favorite things about football is, yes, a bunch of dudes just tackling each other. It's awesome. But I love when they're preparing for the week. Because what they're doing is they know who their, their team that they're playing is, okay? And so the, the defense coordinator, the offense, all of them, they're preparing a playbook. And they're looking at their opponent, and they're like, okay, this is their weaknesses. If we put this guy here, how is this guy going to respond? Maybe if we move this over here, it's, it's, it's great. It's like I would love to be in the room with the coaches as they're designing these plays. And then game day happens, and then they start executing the plays that are in the playbook. And I love it. Like, I love when I see the running back, okay, get the ball, and you have the, defense, the, the offense line just blocking to make the smallest holes possible for that running back to fly through, and then they're just they're, they're going for it. Or my favorite play is when me at home, we at home, can't even see where the rock is, the football. Okay? You can't even see where that ball is because they trick play so well. And all of a sudden, you're like, is, does this guy have it? No. Oh, no, it's our tight end going down the sidelines making a touchdown. Isn't that great? Good plays when they're executed. One of my favorite things is, is when they're in the huddle and the quarterback is, is getting the plays from the coach. And all his job is to do, the team's job, is to execute the play. That's it. You know, we, we get mad at our team, and why didn't they, why did they do this? But really, they're just listening to their coach. Hey, do this. Okay. And I look at that playbook, and I realize that this right here is our playbook. Okay? And I love that this, and unlike football, these plays will result in touchdowns. Okay? There's no bad plays in the Bible. All right? And so as I look at this text there's so many good practical, like life-giving plays, if you will, or disciplines if you don't like football, for us to really grab hold and comprehend and apply. 
So it reminds me, though, of Psalms, Psalm 1, and it says, But his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Meditate on the law day and night. So let's go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 6. So the first play by our coach's playbook, if you will, or the first discipline, okay, I don't want to leave you guys out if you hate football, is this. We need to restore not to destroy. We need to restore not to destroy. So it says, brethren, in verse 1, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also may be tempted. Also be tempted. Now, the reality is, I feel like some people hear this verse wrong, and this is how they interpret it. If another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should first gloat about it and make sure you condemn him or her, then proceed to tell as many people as possible. That's obviously not what it says, but I feel like sometimes we apply it that way when there's someone in the wrong or some, some sin has occurred, instead of restoring, we condemn. And we gossip about them. That's the big thing here. That's the worst thing that we could do as Christians, as believers, as the church. And I love the NLT version. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if, any, any, if, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, who, you who are godly, should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. The idea is to lift people up that are overtaken by sin, not condemn them. Well, Proverbs 16.28 also says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. You guys have probably heard this illustration before because it's a pastor's favorite, but I thought I would play it because, you know, the whole, like, playbook thing, you repeat plays, you know? So it says, I've heard of three pastors we got to get, who got together and decided that they were going to confess their sins to each other. First pastor said, well, he said, man, I have, I have a problem with drinking, and it's getting pretty bad. Next pastor said, my problem is women. I just can't seem to get free from lust. It's just really terrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. The third pastor said, well, my sin is gossip. And I cannot wait to get out of here. <laughs> classic. It's a classic play. Notice this verse, okay? It says, you who are godly, okay? That's key in this verse because a truly godly man or a truly godly woman will seek to restore a person. That's, that's their, that, that is in their DNA because they're, why? Because they're reflecting Jesus well. And they know Jesus' heart, right? And Jesus doesn't want to condemn. He wants to restore. And so if we're truly a godly person, we're going to want to lift that person up, to love on them, and to, uh, to seek to restore that person. We know we don't like the sin. Obviously, we know the sin's chewing them up. But the reality is, is we want to come alongside of them and restore them and get them back on track, not gossip about them or get mad about them or condemn them, right? James 5.19 says, 
my dear brothers and sisters, if, any, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings a sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. God's desire is not to condemn the sinner, but always to restore the sinner. And that should be our attitude. If our attitude is not, we're not reflecting God well. Our attitude should always be to restore. But then in verse 1, it says, you know, you who are spiritually restore such one in spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now, the thing is, is we restore that person in the spirit of meekness, realizing that I could be guilty of the very same thing. We are not invincible. We are human, we're flesh, we sin, we think weird, we need Jesus, okay? So the fact that we can go condemn someone, we can actually be in the very same position years later. So the reality is, is we, if it, was, if it weren't for the grace of God and the power of God's spirit, I could be guilty of the very same thing. So we have to keep that in mind. That's why we need to be humble, right? One day, God forbid, it could be you. And this is, the reality is, is, this is why we don't go on, like, cruise control with our spiritual walk. Cruise control could be a really cool thing in the car, but let me explain to you why that is actually not a cool thing in the car sometimes. It's definitely not a cool thing when it happens in your spiritual walk. So my wife and I and, and the boys, we went to, thanks, uh, we went to, uh, we, we did a road trip for Thanksgiving to visit her dad and twin falls. And we've, we've taken that road so many times. It's straight, it's easy, no big deal. Okay, and so we just put on cruise control and we call it good. And, and the reality is though with Lacey's car, it's like, it's kind of, it's, it's a little too smart. So the reality is, is if you swerve in the lane, it beeps. If there's someone in your blind spot, it beeps. If, you're on, if you have cruise control and you come up to someone, it slows down for you until you switch the lane and then it speeds back up. So it's, it's, it's really when you're taking a road that straight, going to twin, it's easy for me just to zone out. That sounds bad. I don't do it, okay? Don't be like, oh my gosh, his boys are in the back. Like, oh no, we should call somebody. No, I don't do, I don't zone out. I'm just gonna explain something, okay? But the, it's easy too, right? Because everything's so, com- it's comfy. Everything's just working right. Now, I used to work for Apple and I know when technology doesn't work. Okay? Technology is great, but when it doesn't work, it's the most frustrating thing, like what happened with the video this morning. Okay? So the reality is I don't trust the cruise control in that car, especially when I'm passing a semi. So what I usually do, and thank God this happened, okay, is when I pass the semi, I always take it off cruise because I want to have control of the steering wheel. I want to be able to take my foot off the gas pedal, all that kind of stuff. And the car did not foresee a massive wind gust because that's what happens on that Twin Falls Road. And it hit the car in such a way where it just, boosh, it moved the car. And if it wasn't that I was able to take my foot off the accelerator that fast, I don't know what would happen. But it was right when I was passing a semi, that's when the wind gust hit. So all I'm saying is that, you know, cruise control is great. Okay, but for this point is don't put your spiritual walk on cruise control because you can swerve in lanes that you shouldn't be in, you know? And that's the problem. And I think sometimes 
You know, with people, with us who maybe some of you have grown up in the church, it's easy for us to say, well, I've done this for the Lord. I've done these things for the Lord. And that's great, but the reality is we should be doing things today for the Lord. And we kind of lean on those past experiences, and so then we put it on cruise control and we think we're good, and that's when we fall. So, don't put your spiritual walk on cruise. It's easy to swerve in a lane you shouldn't be in. If you know someone who has fallen into sin, then your goal should be to restore, not to destroy. Your goal should be to help him or her because the next time it could be you, God forbid. So that's number one. That's the first play in the playbook. The second play in the playbook is um, bear one another's burdens. Verse two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Peter 5, 7 also says, He bore our burdens for us. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. I love this verse because I start singing the Sunday school song. I won't sing it because it's not going to be good. But you know what I'm talking about, okay? I love this verse. He's willing to bear your burden, okay? So we cast it to him. Now it says we need to bear one another's burden And thus we fulfill the law of Christ. Now what this is talking about is, you know, when one member suffers, they all suffer. And talking about a team, like talking about football again, is when one member of the football team isn't clicking right, it just seems like the whole team is not clicking right. It's just the reality. When when your team is hot, it's usually because they're all clicking, they all know what's up, and it's happening. And I look at this like this, is there's times when we need to be sensitive to our body. Like, we need to realize that we need to, we need to lean in. We need to help. We need to help other with these burdens that are, that are too big to handle on one's own. You know what I mean? And so that's what it's talking about when a brother or sister is hurting, that we can stand with them, encourage them, support them, and that we bear one another's burdens. Now, our third play is prove your own work. Again, these are just some amazing plays to execute. Practical Christian living is one of my favorite things. <laughs> How do we apply it? Like James, just do it. That's the just do it book. Okay, here it is. Now get it done, right? Now this is the thing. It says, verse 3, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Now, I love what the, King, the old KJV says. It says, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Let every man prove himself. Now, what does this mean? Well, I think sometimes the Lord gives us some really good insight. We have like that spiritual awakening. The Lord's like showing us something in our devotions. It's really good. And the reality is that sometimes instead of actually applying in that to our own life, we like to talk about it and kind of be, you know, super spiritual Christians and go around telling everyone what we should be doing and kind of laying trips on people when maybe it was something that we needed. And so that's why it says, hey, take this, prove it, examine your own self quietly. Like let God do work and, and let us then look at you and be like, wow, you've really changed. And you're like, oh, sweet. And we can rejoice. You know what I'm talking about? I, I, there's been a lot of people in my life where they had these spiritual awakenings, but the consistency is not there. 
They like to talk about it a lot. And it, it could be really good things, but they're not proving it in themselves. And it's a thing where it's like, it's just, it's almost just noise. Now, my wife does this really well. And because what, there's times where I notice something about her. There's a change that occurs. Something that just happens and I notice it. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And I, so I'll say, hey, I really see a change in this area. It's really cool, you know. And she'll say, oh, really? That's awesome. I've been praying about that for the last several weeks. My wife is a, a prayer warrior, and the thing is, I wouldn't even know that she was struggling with something or something, she, she was working on something or anything because she just says, you know, that was between me and God. That was for me. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to examine myself. And then I get to see the outcome of that because it's consistent. It's really great. And something, <laughs> she was so mad that I put this in here, but I have a quote from Lacey Zachman. And her quote is, have you prayed about it more than you've talked about it? I love that. Have you prayed about it more than you just talked about it to everybody? Like, this is, let's, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's, let's pray about this before I talk about this, right? Now, there's obviously a lot of times, and this is, not, this is in this context of what it's talking about, but there's a lot of times where there's really great things to share with the body and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. In this context, it's just talking about proving in yourself. Like, just take those things the Lord is sharing and, and go for it. So, our fourth play is bear your own load. Verse 5, it says, For each one shall bear his own load. Now, he just told us in verse 2 to bear one another's burden. And now he's saying, For each one shall bear his own load. Like, what's going on? <laughs> A little confused. Well, the Greek word for load in this verse is fortion. This was often used to refer to a soldier's pack, the standard cargo borne by each person in the company. In other words, those in Christ will carry some responsibilities and obligations not meant to be commonly shared by others. We are meant to shoulder those burdens in the power of God's spirit because we are able. Can you imagine if like a, a, a soldier just like takes his pack off and just gives it to another guy and he's just like, oh, this feels good. And just going up the hill and the other guy's just like, oh my goodness, you know, trying to get up there. That's sometimes what happens with us is we like to just take our responsibilities, the thing that God has told us to do and put it on someone else, put it on someone else's shoulders. And he's like, no, this is the thing. There are times when the, the weight is too much where the body comes in. We work as a team and we take care of it. There's also times when like, you know what, that is your pack. That's your essential pack. Okay, that's, that's the stuff that the Lord's called you to do, your responsibility, that's your pack. So, you know, there's been times in my life where uh, <laughs> um, I, I have felt where there was burdens that were pushed on me just because the person just didn't want to do it. And you kind of look at the person, they're just like living this happy thing, and you're just like, oh, just weighed down by their stuff. You know, it happens. Just, again, this is a good play for us as Christians to execute to bear your own pack. But have discernment on when it is something that's not a pack. It's more than a pack. It's, it's a huge burden, right? So have discernment on those of when you need to talk to the body, to get help, to ask Jesus, right, and those things. So our fifth play is you will reap what you sow. This is a fun one. Verse 6, it says, Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will, 
will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. When you hear the statement, you will reap what you sow, it typically brings something frightening to mind, okay? It's one of those sermons where it's like, oh, you know. And, um, it, but, I mean, reality is, it's true. You know, you reap what you sow. It kind of goes in like a, a like, you know, quoted in an aggressive fashion, like you better stop doing that because the Bible says you'll reap what you sow. And that's true, 100%. But let's understand it in the context as well, okay? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will also flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Yes, if you sow to the flesh, if you disobey God, then you will reap the consequences. That's legitimate. Don't, don't, don't try to deceive yourself. That is, if you reap that, you'll sow that, okay? But if you sow, and this is the second part I want to make sure we cover, because I don't think it gets covered very often, is that if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life. Which one are you going to sow? So a couple of weeks in our men's study, we were going through uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I had the privilege to teach, and I was going to just share a little bit about that section because it ties in really well with this. But that verse that we talked about in 2 Corinthians was, therefore, verse 171, therefore having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Paul is continuing his discussion of sanctification from chapter 6. Now, the Bible is a very honest book, okay? And we, we see when our heroes mess up and they fall. Okay, for example, the Bible tells us that Noah, when he was, you know, in the ark with a bunch of stinky animals and he's just bobbing in the ocean, um, came to a new place God created for him and he went out and got drunk. Okay, the Bible also tells us that Abraham, the father of faith, lied on multiple occasions. David, the man after God's own heart, committed adultery and then effectively committed murder to hide his, his, his act, his adultery. The mighty Samson, okay, who had supernatural strength with the Holy Spirit's empowerment, made many bad decisions and reaped consequences. Hey there, Delilah. Okay? On the other hand, we read of men and women of the Bible. We don't find any accounts of them compromising or struggling with any sin. It doesn't mean that they didn't, okay? It just means that the Bible doesn't talk about it. We don't know of any sin that Joseph committed other than he bragged a lot about his dreams and probably bragged about his cool coat, okay? Um, or we don't read of any sins of Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego committed. So we kind of realize that there's some believers struggle more than others. That's kind of what we can get from that. And here's what it really comes down to is this, and this is for all of us. We choose what kind of Christian life we want to live. We choose that. We choose what Christian life we want to live. You will reap what you sow, okay? My favorite, and I share this with the men's study, but my favorite like practical topic um, to teach young people, which is kind of helping them like gear up for like jobs and just you know the, the life outside of high school is decision quality. Decision quality. And decision quality is the quality of a decision at the moment the decision is made, regardless of its outcome. Okay? So think about it. How many decisions do you make a day? 
A lot. Let's break it down for the morning. Your alarm goes off. What do you do? Do you snooze or do you get up? That's the decision. How many times do you snooze? Another decision. Do I go get caught by brew coffee or do I go to Starbucks and get coffee and get pumpkin spice latte? We know Dave would say no. Another decision. Do I work out or do I not work out? Do I eat breakfast or do I not eat breakfast? Do I fill up my tank in gas now or after work? You know what I'm talking about? Just crazy decisions that you have to make all the time. And the way I look at it is good decisions promote good decisions and bad decisions promote bad decisions. So, for example, let's break this down even more. I wake up right when my alarm goes off. I don't press the snooze. That leads me into, like, just feeling, like, not groggy and just kind of more motivated. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go work out. And that leads me into more of just like, you know what? I worked out physically. <laughs> I'm going to work out spiritually. I'm going to go in my devotions. That leads me into like, you know what? I want to eat right today. I want to eat clean. So I'm going to have a, a good lunch. You know, I'm going to pack a really nice lunch, right? But if it was a bad, the, the bad decision promotes bad decisions is, you know, you snooze. You know, you wake up all groggy. You look at the treadmill. You're like, <laughs> heck no. <laughs> That's not going to happen this morning. I just want McDonald's for lunch. You know what I mean? And it's just like it goes from there, right? Listen, decisions can make or break your day, your week, your month, your year, your life. We're talking about small little decisions, but seriously, bad decisions can completely ruin your life. It can. Again, here's what it comes down to. We choose, we make the decision of what kind of Christian life we want to live. You know, if you want to live in constant struggle with sin, you can do that. You can live that way. Or you can live in newness of life by the power of the Holy Spirit, which has been provided for you by Jesus Christ through the cross. And that is such a life-giving way to live. There's hope, and and there's just knowing that God has paid it all. He's conquered death. There's no fear, no matter what's on the news, knowing that Jesus is here, he's on the throne, and he's coming back soon. It's refreshing. And this is a little rabbit trail, but honestly, I was telling our youth this last Thursday, I think this is one of the easiest times to share our faith because people are so open and they want hope. So it's like, man, share this gospel. Share it. We need people to share this right now. Christmas is a great way to share that. Right on the back right here, little plug. Christmas service. Invite people. This is a time where people are open to this kind of stuff. Pray who you can invite. Okay, we're moving on. Galatians chapter 7, chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows, you also reap. Okay? Understand that. And um, the thing is, guys, is reaping what you sow is a real thing. But you know what? Either you're going to reap to the flesh or reap to the spirit. If you reap to the, to the, fle- to the flesh, it's natural. It's life. It's, it, the reality is, is, it's, it's destruction. And we know that. Do not be deceived with that. I just want to make very clear of that because I think we justify that sometimes. Every man's right in his own eyes. Well, it's just because I, you know, I, you, know the, you know, they said this and I just, I feel like I had to tell them that, you know. No. Don't be deceived. What you reap is what you sow. Now, this beautiful thing is that if we sow to the Spirit like we're doing this morning, you know, that's amazing. Like, you realize you're, we, are, we are so in the spirit this morning. We're at church. We're listening, church. 
We're, we, we, we're getting plugged in. I just love to set up crew and the ushers and the children's ministry and all, everyone's serving. Like, it's crazy. You're serving in the, the, the giftings that God's given you. Like, you're sowing in the Spirit. It's great. Keep doing that. Keep sowing in the Spirit. How important it is. And now our sixth and last play for us to execute. And that is don't give up. Don't give up. Verse 9 Guys, this verse should be crocheted on a quilt. should be on a coffee cup. Okay, it's one of those verses, you know. It says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Sow to the Spirit. Don't give up on that. Even when it feels like it's like, ah, oh, nothing's happening. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Discouragement doesn't come from the Lord. Don't get discouraged. Don't worry about it. Don't give up. You'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Don't grow weary in doing good. In due season, God's timing, we will reap. Something that Greg Laurie says, and I, I love this quote because I look at it with, our pa- with Pastor D as well. And, and, and Greg Laurie says this. He says, sometimes I get tired in the Lord's work, but I never get tired of the Lord's work. And I love that because, like, our pastor, like, I mean, honestly, like, he hasn't had a spaggle? I can't say it. I'm trying to say spaghetti. You guys know what I'm just trying to say. I'm not even going to go there. I'm hungry. That's just the reality of what happens. My stomach starts taking over. It's weird. But the reality is I've seen from him that he loves God's work. Like, he just loves it. And he's all about it. He never gets tired of it. Now, there's in, in it, sometimes you need to take a rest day, take a vacation, just recharge. That is so healthy. That's why we talk about the Sabbath day, like having a day of rest. God had a day of rest. He modeled that well. We need that. But never get tired of it. We are to be faithful in what we do. Again, Galatians 6, 9, I want to read it one more time, and we're closing with this. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't be weary in reading your Bible and seeking to live by what it teaches. Don't be weary by praying, for praying for your family who don't know Jesus, your friends who don't know Jesus, and your country. Don't be weary of this. Don't be weary in sharing your faith with others. Don't be weary in serving the Lord with the gifts God has given you. We need you. We need people that love Jesus who are going to serve and operate in their giftings. Because guess what? You're not weary. In due season, if you don't give up, you'll reap. You will reap. I love that. You know, I, I, I see like our youth up here, you know, and they're, they're, they're worshiping God, right? And, I, and you know why that's happened is because there's been people like you who have sown good seeds, right? Like you, you are sowing your example of just serving God. And we as a body, I'm talking to adults here and parents here, As a youth pastor, we have to do well with our youth. We have to challenge them or the world's going to challenge them. We have to get them there, right? How do we do that? We don't give up. We sow the right seed. We lead by example. That's how we get there. We sow these seeds and we have this next generation popping up, stoked for Jesus. That's exciting. So let's not grow weary. I know it's crazy out there and the news is nuts, whatever. Whatever. Don't grow weary. God's on the throne. Let's get it done. 
Let's execute these plays. Let's make some touchdowns this week. So whatever this is, whatever point hit home with you, whatever, I encourage you guys just to execute it, you know? You got the play, the coach gave you the play, quarterback in your huddle with your family, whatever, and you're going to say, this is what we're going to do. 